0: This week on Developer Weekly. And the misconception is that hacking is not a bad thing. Hacking is getting something or I should say some de- some object to do something that it's not designed to do.
1: This episode is brought to you by me. If you like this show and you want to support it, please visit my courses on Pluralsight and buy my new book, 200 things developers should know, which is about programming, career, troubleshooting, dealing with managers, health, and much more. You can find my site courses and the book over at www.developerweeklypodcast.com/about. That is www.developerweeklypodcast.com/about. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Dale Meredith about ethical hacking. Dale has been a certified ethical hacker, instructor, EC counsel for the past 15 years, and Microsoft certified trainer for over 20 years. And he's also a Pluralsight author and the funniest person on the Pluralsight Slack channels. (laughs) Welcome, Dale. How are you?
0: Doing good, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, that's my goal, uh, was to make sure that I am the funniest on Slack.
1: <laughs> well, you do uh, entertain us on Slack. So for, for the listeners, uh, site authors are all welcomed on, uh, on Slack channels. We have channels about uh, how to make courses. Uh, if we make money, how does that work <laughs> uh, to help each other, how to create, uh, site videos, stuff like that. And uh, Dale always is uh, very active on those channels and he's very, very entertaining because he's also Batman, you know. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you are uh, one of sites main security guys, yeah? I would say. Yeah. As in, in the security space, in the hacking space, you have lots of content uh, about that and also about uh, ethical hacking. Actually, you have lots of courses in uh, in a couple of big uh, skill paths, which are paths that contain lots of courses that take you through uh, a skill and teach you the skill about ethical hacking. Right. So, you know wh- what is ethical hacking? Even what is that?
0: You know what? It's kind of uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Whenever, uh, of course, this is being in the COVID days, but before the COVID days, I would do a lot of traveling and. You know, you always sit in the airplane seat and the person next to you, I always like to uh, start a little conversation. I'm probably that annoying guy. But, (laughs) you know, it always comes around to, so what do you do for a living? And when they ask me, I'm like, well, I'm an ethical hacker. And everyone always looks at me funny. They're like, ethical hacking. (laughs) And the, the misconception is that hacking is not a bad thing. Hacking is getting something or I should say some div- some object to do something that it's not designed to do. So oh. we talk about ethical hacking, uh, I actually relate this in my in my uh, uh, in the first course in the plural site library, and that is it's almost like a criminal profiler. You know we've all seen the TV shows where there's a criminal profiler. You have to think like I, I prefer calling them attackers instead of hackers because again, hacking can be good. Um, in that aspect, I mean, one of the things I, you know, hacked, I always talk about this one too, is, uh, one of the first things I ever did when I got my Xbox was I hacked it so that I could not have to carry around DVDs of the games. I could just put them onto a hard drive. So that's Uh. a great example of a hack is it's doing something or causing the object to do something that it's not designed to do, but it's not as, excuse me, it isn't necessarily malicious, um so that that's kind of the, the synopsis of it, is we're trying to think like attackers so that we can protect networks or protect our resources.
1: Ah all right. So you try to uh think from the attacker's point of view so that you can then uh, protect your network. So so what would be a good example of um uh, uh being an ethical hacker and uh, how would that help a company?
0: So one of the things that uh, and maybe it's just the years of me being in this industry, whenever I see something new come out uh, technology-wise, my first thought is that, oh, hey, that's really cool. My first thought is, how is that going to be used against us? So when, <laughs> yeah. for example, when cloud computing came out, when it first started hitting the uh, our our environments and, and companies got excited about it, um, I think they're still pretty excited about it. My first thought wasn't, oh, that's cool. I can keep my stuff online or I can access it from anywhere or uh, whatever the resource is. My thought process was, this is a new attack vector for uh, attackers to come at uh, to try to get, gain access to your resources. And, and is anybody looking at it? So I am always looking. I mean, even, even when it comes like to new apps on my phone, when I download a new app, I'm like, okay, what does this really mean to me as far as Uh, You know, this is great. This app wants to do this, this, and this, but it wants access to my contacts. Hmm. Mm. And and there may be good reasons why, you know, maybe it's because the app itself is going to be able to let me forward a video to somebody in my contacts, but I'm always, you know what? I'm, I may be a little paranoid, Barry, to be honest with you. Uh, (laughs) As my, uh, I tell my wife all the time, I, just cause I don't see the black helicopters doesn't mean that they're not there. (laughs) But. (laughs) But uh, it does It does take a different mindset um, of when we look at any technology, uh, again, from mobile devices to huge enterprise environments, uh, the best way to be more secure about the environment is to, or the, the new device is to look at it as, what does this open me to?
1: Right, yeah. And so a company uh, that creates something, let's say a company that creates a new cloud service or something where you can upload your files, If they are smart, they would hire an ethical hacker like yourself to just prod the thing and see from which sides you can attack it.
0: Right. Um, And and you want, when it comes to being an ethical ethical hacker, you actually can take on different roles. You can take on um, the role of what we refer to as a white hat or a black hat or a gray hat. Mm. And the hat, by the way, the hat thing comes from the old Westerns. Uh, Back Hmm. in the movie times, black and white, you could always identify who the hero was because he wore a white hat. And you could always tell who the villain was because he wore a black hat. And Ah. it's the same concept here is that you can approach it. If you get hired, sometimes companies will hire an ethical hacker. Sometimes they'll employ them. Uh, But you can approach it as, okay, I'm going to be a good guy and come at you. Or now I'm going to put on a black hat and see what I can do. And there's also a gray hat, which... Basically means it depends on your role. If you're doing it to uh, you, you switch between gray and black, excuse me, between uh, black and (laughs) white based off of who's paying you because a hacker could pay somebody to attack a company for them. And then in which case, you know, one week you may be doing it for good. The next week you may be doing it for somebody with malicious intent. So yeah, that, that's what they would want to do. Hopefully, they have uh, companies might also have analysts on staff as well. But the the difference with uh, somebody from the outside is that when you know the network and you know the resources, you have a tendency of overlooking things. Where mm-hmm. you, if you have somebody come in from the outside who doesn't know anything, uh, it actually ends up showing us that there's more vectors out there for for that you may be exposed to. Right.
1: And and do you find that uh, a lot of company now hire ethical hackers or is
0: that still not the case? It's, it's uh, <laughs> well, it depends. It depends if they've been breached. No, because oh, yeah. um, <laughs> that's typically who they, you know, they'll bring in forensic folks. But we also see at that point, typically that the uh, uh, companies then start doing like six month reviews, yearly reviews with ethical hackers. Uh, so it just really does depend on management and how important uh, it seems or, you know, that security is for them. I remember back in the day um, when I was young, we used to talk uh, as in a classroom environment. And the number one thing I heard all the time from my uh, students that were taking the class, when I'd say, you know, you need to purchase or not purchase, you need to invest in this type of security Device, They're like, yeah, we can't get any approval for funding because IT just doesn't get approval. Well, now security is a completely different environment. It's almost outside of IT. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're seeing a lot more companies be more, especially when they're on, you know, based online, be more serious about investing in in those type of uh, solutions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, coming more to the forefront. Uh, yeah. Especially when you see lots more breaches, like uh, Troy Hunt always uh, tells us about, which yeah. is all very scary
0: stuff. You know, it's, it's very similar to the developers. I mean, l- years ago, companies didn't hire developers, they hired yeah. people outside their industry or outside their company to develop something for them. And now we see fully staffed departments of developers for companies.
1: Yeah. yeah it's kind of the same uh, movement, I guess. And, uh, additionally you also see uh let's say just independent ethical hackers so people that uh, let's say poke uh, public websites and such and then find vulnerabilities and then maybe um, tell the companies about that if they're very nice right
0: uh well so there's a lot of you have to be really careful um one of my statements that i give all my viewers who watch my Plural site courses is that just because you can doesn't mean you can. And Mm -hmm. in some companies or excuse me, in some countries uh, there have been cases where people have done exactly that, where they'll go through and they'll scan a public facing uh, website or application and they report it. Some people get really crazy and they're like, Hey, hire me because I I found this and that never works out by the way. Um, But it's actually in some countries uh, and some, you got to check with the cities as well. Uh, in and in, in my case, some states, um, it's it could be considered a, an actual breach. Um, So you, I always tell folks that you have to have permission, even if you work for the company, even if you, you know, if I work for Wayne Enterprises, which I do, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I work for Wayne Enterprises and I'm in the IT department, I can't just go off and arbitrarily start hitting networks or uh, subnets without getting permission because the ramifications of what if I take something down? Uh, What if the uh, security team sees that? And now I'm using man hours because they think they're legitimately being breached. Um, So Mm -hmm. you do have to be careful with that in that aspect, but yeah, typically matter of fact, it was kind of funny the other day I was, I I live just North of Salt Lake city. And a little town up here, it's uh, um, called Layton, Utah. And I'm driving by and I see this van that's been, uh, what do they call that? Vehicle wrapped. You know, where they wrap the vehicle with advertisement. And the whole advertisement was for a pen testing company. And I'm like, in Utah? Or, you know, in (laughs) Layton, Utah? Uh, But yeah, we're seeing a big influx because of the fact that um, companies are becoming technology companies. I don't know if that makes sense. Have you ever heard that one before, Barry, where it's companies- Yeah, are- definitely,
1: definitely. Uh, you see that uh, most companies now, I think, uh, are or should be technology companies. So that's, for instance, uh, where you have a bank. Traditionally, a bank uh, was something that did financial services, but now mostly it is, or it should be, a technology company that specializes in financial services.
0: Exactly. You know, anytime you, once you get those developers on staff and you're developing an application, you're exposing that. I mean, you look at even a company like Best Buy. Okay. Yeah. They're a, they're an electronics company, but trust me, they're a technology company too because yeah. of the infrastructure, how everything has to work. So anytime we have, as, as we've made that transition, there's more and more, uh, and that would be the other issue. Sorry, I may be jumping. It's my ADD kicking in or I haven't had enough caffeine yet, but, um, uh pen testing i mentioned pen testing that's the mm-hmm. actual uh process of hitting a target when you've had an, when you have an agreement and that's typically done by ethical hackers uh there's also pen testing individuals as well that they uh they may not become an ethical hacker but they probably have the skill set of an ethical hacker or at least the knowledge i would say ethical hacking is the foundation and then like pen testing would be like the advanced version of that
1: right Uh, okay so as an ethical hacker uh, do you use uh let's say if you want to hack a website do you use like a standard tool that you just point at the website and it uh, finds 20 vulnerabilities that you can then exploit
0: you know there's a there's a couple tools that you can use and this is going to be something that the uh security professional is how i'm going to refer to us um they're gonna to have to become comfortable with they, they they choose the tool that they're the most comfortable with um, there's a couple of them that I will use depending if I'm just trying to do it from the uh, public side or if I'm trying to get further in I'll typically start off with like using inmap very mm-hmm. basic tool but it gives me a lot of information very very quickly and my first step is discovering what apps are you running what uh web services are you running what version of PHP are you running? And then once I see that, then that's going to tweak my um, choice of tools that I might use. And there's, there's actually several of them out there that are, are uh, I'm amazed of how um, this, the tool side of things is changing so fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause once you get used to one, there seems to be a new one out there. That's, you know, even better or faster or stronger or, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, so you then use publicly available tools, but I can imagine that in uh, uh, creating data breaches and uh, hacking websites that there's a lot of money in there uh, in that business, especially for folks that do that illegally. So do you also have access somehow to the tools that the illegal hackers use, the bad ones?
0: So here's what's interesting is that, and we we teach this in the ethical hacking series, um, and that is... The tool Remember how I told you earlier that you know I look at a application or something and go, okay, how is this going to hurt me? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have security tools out there that we think, oh, this is supposed to protect us. But you have to think, how is an attacker going to use this against you? So mm-hmm. they will use, uh, the, especially for like zero day stuff. There's going to be some really customized things out there. But typically, we're using things like um, what is it, Zap? Uh, the Z attack proxy uh, by OWASP. That's going to show you quite a bit uh, of information and it's going to go through and and give you things like, you know, is it vulnerable to, is the particular location vulnerable to uh, uh, an SQL attack uh, or a cross-site script attack? And then from there as an attacker, I might use that because it's very easy to use. And then from there, I'm going to drill into my tool that I use specifically for uh, a cross-site script attack. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some uh, specific hacks. So things that you can, uh, some attacks that you can perform against uh, services like websites and APIs. So for a website, for instance, what would be the most common hack that uh, that works? Is that still uh, SQL uh, query injection attacks?
0: We see a combination typically of, of SQL and I don't know why because it's like, in the news, almost every week, some <laughs> company's been breached, and they go yeah. back and look, and it's you know a sequel. But um, one of the other things too, and this is why it's really easy for attackers nowadays, is just the social engineering aspect of getting people to click on a link, mm-hmm. where it then yeah. you know automates and attacks from the inside, for example. But we see a lot of credential-based issues where people are not uh, an how uh, do I don't want to phrase this one? An IT guy goes through and they, you know, need to fire up a web server and they're like, or even a developer. And I'm not picking on developers, but it happens. And that is, you know, we we sit there and go, I need a service account. I'm just going to create one real fast. I'm going to give it a password of password one two three just because I'm just testing. And then yeah. we forget about it and we publish. And then all of a sudden, somebody's able to figure out that the passwords, you know, password one two three. Um. We're also seeing, we don't see so much, as much session ID uh, hijacks as, as we used to. And again, it goes back to ease. Attackers will always use the easiest way. And this is the other thing I try to get across to everybody is that uh, it's a statement that it, nobody loves. And that is, you can't stop hackers or attackers. Your job mm. is to slow them down or make it so unbearably difficult for them that they move on to lower-hanging fruit. Maybe it's your competitor. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you want them to go, oh, it's it's kind of like uh, really beginning, uh, how do I want to call them, noob hackers. If they see the box as a Windows box, they may persist. But if they see it's a Linux box because of their knowledge, maybe they don't have a great knowledge of Linux, they go, eh, I'm going to move on to this Windows box because that was looked a little bit better. Yeah. So it's the yeah. same concept. If if you secure things down and they don't see a lot of vulnerabilities or they don't see any vulnerabilities, they're going to move on. They're they're typically scanned. There's so many IPs out there, right? I mean, so many yeah. different targets uh, that they can go after. If I don't see something, I may pass you up really fast, even though you may be vulnerable in something else.
1: Yeah. So you're saying that that nothing is safe. Everything can be hacked. Oh, is absolutely. That right?
0: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, it, it really is. Um, you know, and here's a great example. Um, what, three years ago, AI was the solution, right? <laughs> we, yeah. were, we were uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all the security companies came out and said, you know, this, we're going to protect you by using, and, and they do a great job. Don't get me wrong. But we're now starting to see hackers or attackers using AI and machine learning to adjust <laughs> their attacks. So, again, anytime somebody tells me that they're hack, they're they're not hackable, or they're not hack. Yeah, they're not hackable. Is that the right way to say it? Uh, or they're so secure that nothing can get in? I mean, look at what just recently happened. What this last week with FireEye, and uh, I mean, here's a cybersecurity company, and it looks like Russia got in. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything. Well, I always tell people there is one device. That is hack proof. And that's the computer you never build. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. who wants to live in that world, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of scary, but uh, you know it, it's a good thing to keep in mind as well uh, as you are uh, going around and plugging things into the internet in your house. For instance, in my house, I have some smart devices, but I keep it very simple. The things that are hooked up to the internet are my lamps and my doorbell so Are please you... don't uh don't, don't go try doing that but you know not my not my oven for instance right or very dangerous things like uh, that can create uh, lots of heat and burn my house down for instance because i do realize that you know then i'm dependent on whoever creates the oven if they might have a web firewall or whatever uh maybe somebody there at the parking lot picks up a usb key puts it in their computer inside their network and uh Bob's your uncle and my house is on fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's actually a a great point. Um, And that's what I always tell folks when it comes to security is when when you're looking at, you had a spot on example, the people who make the stove, they are great at making stoves, Hmm. but are they great at securing (laughs) the technology on that stove? You know, a lot of times we see uh, IOT is one of those things. I, I, I think I just, well, I've been doing redoing my network at home. I think I'm at 30 devices now in my house. I may have a problem, <laughs> but admitting <laughs> it, I have a problem is my first step to recovery. Now, um, <laughs> you have to understand that these devices, the manufacturers are creating them to make your life easy. Well, sometimes easy means that you're going to be giving up security. Yeah. And and that goes back to, I wish we had a visual representation, but we have something that's called the technology triangle. In one corner, we have security. The other corner, we have functionality. And we have, in the third corner, ease of use. And if you were to take a dot, like a little circle, as you slide it towards security, you give up functionality and ease of use. Mm-hmm. And as you slide towards ease of use, you're giving up security. and fun- So the balance for developers and Man, my my hat off to developers because one, I couldn't develop anything to save my life. But you, finding that balance is the golden ticket. Is you know yeah, finding yeah. A, a great balance between those things. So uh, yeah, my my home network, I kind of do the same thing. I got separate subnets for um, certain devices and other devices. Yeah, I, I let them do what they want to do
1: yeah but you know it, uh, we just can't uh get around it that everything is now going to be connected to the internet for instance yeah. if you drive uh, a tesla or something or another car it's connected to the internet right it it runs on software you know your your car gets a software update you don't really go to the garage or you might go to the garage but it might it get just gets a, a software update And uh, maybe when it's self-driving, it depends completely on that software. And there are tons of other um, examples of things that now run on software and that are connected to the internet. So they have large attack factors. That is kind of scary. As in, if somebody or or a country or something wanted to uh, cripple uh, us, then that would be relatively easy, right? To just, uh, I don't know, to just uh, disable the whole infrastructure, let's say.
0: Yeah, you want to bring down a country really fast, especially a country that, you know, um, relies so heavily on technology and the internet. I I look at my grandkids and and, uh, even my adult kids and think, man, if they went, if something happened where they didn't have access to technology, they'd be lost. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's it's kind of like, um, so I'm really afraid of flying. I do Mm -hmm. it, but I always get a little antsy. Uh, Cause you know, I'm, I'm thinking the worst is going to happen yet. I yeah. jump in my car every day and statistically me jumping in my car, I have a higher chance of something happening to me, but I'm willing to accept that risk because yeah. I like the convenience of the car and being able to go where I want to go. Uh, and yes, the same thing would apply if I was Ubering, right? <laughs> it's not my bad driving, yeah. Um, but, but it's, uh, it's something that we as a society and individually, we sit there and go, I've got some friends, some neighbors that won't put a Google home or an Alexa in their home. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've actually got both, but I understand what the risks are. Uh, I've got some things that I do to make sure that certain traffic doesn't go through to those particular companies, uh, to kind of help protect me a bit, but, um, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay. Matter of fact, I, I I'm I'm building a new editing machine. That's one. Of, this is my Christmas gift. I gave it to me earlier, and uh, I'm of course installing Windows 10. And I found a really cool uh, script that basically goes through and strips out a bunch of the telemetry that you know Microsoft offers. It strips out Cortana, but by doing that. I'm also going to lose these features. And that's what we find with security is that people don't want to give up certain features. And so they leave things in place. And again, that's, that's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, okay, is this worth it to our company? And that's going to be a discussion that you're going to have, you know, within your organization between departments as well. Yeah.
1: It's kind of scary stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Even if you do secure your technology very well, is it then true that uh, the human aspect of your organization or the support behind your application is then the weakest
0: link? Yeah, it's the weakest link and it's the easiest. I shouldn't say Mm. easiest. It's the least expensive way for an attacker. Uh, We we refer to it as social engineering. If I can get you to click, again, I'm hacking a human. I'm getting Mm. you to do something that you... You've been trained not to do. Your company sit down and said, okay, look, employees, we do not click on links that are from outside the company where somebody's saying, hey, click on this. Yet, time after time, we get individuals who are clicking on links because if you want to win a, win a free Xbox Series X, click here. <laughs> you know, and they, they click. That's that human hack. And that will always, matter of fact, We always laugh about, is there really still the scam about, you know, the uh, uh, Nigerian prince who wants to, who's apparently left me money or I'm royalty, I think, in in (laughs) Nigeria now. Um, The reason why we still see those is because people still click on the links. Yeah, it works. Uh, Yeah, it definitely works. And it's easy. If I can get you to click on a link. That is so, Barry, listen, if I can send you a link and you click on it, that is so much easier than me doing reconnaissance on your particular IP address, trying to figure out what apps you're running, find a, finding out what version of the apps you're running. Have you not patched? If you just click on a link and give me a backdoor, I'm done. Or I should yeah. say you're done. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And I guess you could also uh, call a support department and then get them to, uh, I don't know, give you access to an account somehow.
0: Oh yeah, that, that happens. That's actually some of our penetration testing, um, tests that we do all the time where we either pretend to be somebody from the Mm -hmm. IT department, you know, Hey Barry, we're getting ready to deploy this new app. It's going to make your system faster. See, I'm trying to get you to, you know, want this. So it's going to be make it faster. You'll also be eligible for one of the first upgrades of workstations when they come out. I just need you to do me a favor and help me test this. Can you change your password real fast to password one, two, three? Yeah, <laughs> but we also see the opposite too, where we call the IT department and say, "Hey, this is Barry. I'm out of the office right now. I'm trying to log in through the VPN. My password's not re- working. Can you please reset that for me?" To password one, two, three. So it works both ways, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and you can then make that very urgent, like, "Oh, because I have a quick call with the CEO or something. Yes. and it needs yeah, yeah, to happen yeah. within five minutes. So please help me out."
0: Yeah, yeah, or or he'll know. That you told me no <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah it's uh yeah, you know it's it's human nature then to want to help of course so it's not not bad intentions it's just uh, it's just how it works
0: yeah it, it's a human flaw it's a great human yeah. flaw because it's part of compassion right
1: yeah so then what can you do as a as an organization like what can you do from a technology standpoint what is one of the best ways to secure something and from a social standpoint, from a social engineering standpoint,
0: um, I think one thing that I don't know—I see it happens sometimes, uh, but I think more companies could take advantage of being very transparent with employees as far as, hey, everybody, we just saw this particular um, vulnerability hit the internet, and we want to make sure that you know we're protected. So. You know, if you guys see something like this come out or hit you in your email box, do us a favor. Don't click on it. Report it to a, you know, report it for us. Have the employees be, make sure that they feel vested in the company or the security of the company. They'll be your greatest security uh, auditors for you if you get them on board. And even, I always tell companies too, you know, I know they're, they're, uh, uh systems out there as well as uh companies that will uh, fish your employees for you and uh my wife she uh, used to work for Best Buy and she she is not a technical person trust me it's kind of funny mm-hmm. because she's the perfect employee for Best Buy because she didn't care about technology <laughs> me I would have spent my whole paycheck but um she could spot those phishing, she's like, yeah, there's another one. In fact, there was an email that would go around saying, "Hey, there's a new phishing, fake phishing email going out. Be everybody heads up." Well, <laughs> that defeats the purpose, right? Yeah. Um, b- but instead, if we were just to, um, I would even maybe look at rewarding employees. Um, Ooh. rewarding not just okay, maybe a, a Starbucks coupon or a gift certificate, but. When employees call up and they say, Hey, Barry, listen, um, I got this email. It looks kind of suspicious. Can you just double check on it? And let's say you look at it, and not that you would ever do this, Barry, but let's say that I know some IT guys that would. Listen, Dale, you're an idiot. This this is nothing. Don't worry about it. That's not rewarding. That's, you know, insulting. And so the next time I see something, I may not contact you but instead be hey dale it wasn't an emergency wasn't a big thing but we appreciate you keeping an eye out kudos to you i mean yeah just just getting them vested in in that environment in your security yeah
1: yeah that's a good uh great tip i think also uh, whenever you um expose something to the internet like a website for instance from a technology standpoint Always have something uh, in front of that, like a web application firewall or something that filters. Oh yeah. Because what what I always see, whenever I put up, let's say, a website or an API, within minutes it is being prodded by all sorts of botnets for slash admin slash admin uh-huh. php <laughs> and all those uh, type of things, just to see you know what what I'm running and uh, how they can uh, how they can attack me, which is just crazy because that's all automated. I imagine.
0: Yeah, especially how fast it happens, huh? Yeah, you're yeah. just like, whoa! <laughs> I just barely got online.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's within within minutes, and then uh, you know, over the, the next 24 hours, you have uh, hundreds of these calls. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, you know that was actually one of my biggest. That, that's uh, what started me in the hacking world. I had my own. Uh, uh, I like I said, I live okay. I fibbed. I fibbed to protect my identity. Um, I live actually west of Layton, Utah. It's a really, really small community called Syracuse. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a farming community. And when I moved out here, there was no high-speed internet. And so I dropped two T1 lines into my garage, and I became a wireless ISP service out here. And this was back in the year, like 2001, 2002 days. But I um, uh, had a good friend of mine, a neighbor. His name is Mark Burnett. He's actually a white hat for Microsoft uh here in the midwest and he um he said uh hey dale i'd like to get internet and i said okay and he goes "Uh, how about you and i work out a deal i'll teach you what i know about security if you give me free internet i'm like sure yeah no problem (laughs) where do i sign um but as we went through and designed the network together he sat there and he told me one day he goes do you really want to do this i said what do you mean mark yeah i want to do this he goes no do you understand what's going to happen i said what are you talking about And he goes, you are going to get hit. Not only are you going to get hit, but you're going to be really disappointed in some of the Google searches your customers do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, uh, I'm like, Mark, we're in Syracuse. Who knows about Syracuse? No, you're a number. And sure enough, the day we went live, we had our Cisco, what do we have like a 2950 router. I think that may give flashbacks to some of your listeners out there. Um, (laughs) But within literally by the time we would fire up a machine and try to get it patched, this was back in server 2003, there are times we could not get the updates from Microsoft fast enough to patch up before they would be infected because this was right around the time of... Um, This was back in uh, the SQL Slammer. This thing was all over the place, um, and it would infect our machines before we could get them fully patched, which was crazy. And then, of course, we started getting denial service attacks. And I'm like, I'm just a little guy out here in Syracuse. Uh, But no, again, that was a big eye-opener for me was, no, you're a number, you're a resource, and they want the resource.
1: Yeah, exactly. They don't care. Uh, they don't know where you are. They don't care where you are. You're just a bunch of IP addresses. That's all.
0: Yep, absolutely. And it doesn't matter if you're a big company. I get this all the time. I do a lot of public speaking. My, uh, I, of course, I do the plural site stuff. But I'm so passionate about cybersecurity that um, I have a I have a, a social media. Uh, it's called Dale Dums It or It Down. And I try to teach things to people because it always makes me scared knowing that people are, like you said, installing IoT devices in their homes and they really don't know what they're doing, right? Or they don't know what they're exposing themselves to. And so when I do these public speakings, I always have people come up and or they make make the comment, well, an attacker can have my stuff because I'm broke. You know, they think that the attackers are after money. No, I'm after computing resources so that I can launch an attack against a bank and you're going to get blamed for it. So- yeah, we, we, everybody needs to be very much aware of security in their own environment, including their homes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, thank you very much. That's the uh, end of this episode. Thank you very much for teaching me all about ethical hacking. Where can people find more about ethical hacking? Where can people learn more? Maybe on Plural sites
0: Yeah, um, uh, we've got a whole series. In fact, you mentioned Troy before, uh, Troy Hunt, Uh, helped me with the series. We both did it together. Mm. Um, And so there's uh, like 72 hours of learning uh, in the uh, uh, CEH course series. But I've got that series there at Pluralsight, as well as I mentioned the pen testing. Uh, We have the CompTIA Pen Test Plus series that I've done for Pluralsight, as well as the CYSA, which is a security analyst, someone being more on a blue team, uh, being proactive uh, protection there at Pluralsight. Um, so yeah, if you, you can also, if, if you're interested in the uh, stuff I do for home and, uh, on the personal side, again, Dale is a great location for me, as well as if you just search for that same Dale dumbs it down on the social media networks, you should be able to find me out there and please feel free to reach out and ask me any questions that you might have.
1: Okay. Very cool. I will link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Thank you very much for uh, for being on the show.
0: You bet, Barry. Thank you for having me. It was truly a joy. Uh, and uh, what was your IP, you said? <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This has been another episode of Developer Weekly. See you next week. Could you please go to ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly and rate this podcast and leave a review? This helps me to spread the word about the podcast and helps other people to find it. That is, rate com slash developerweekly. Thank you so much.